0: Digital technologies allow to monitor and control physical assets, and eventually to manage them in a way to optimize energy consumption, or to offer flexibility services in the electricity system. Here it's Nicola Rosetta from Florence School of Regulation, and today I would like to discuss this topic with Jan Angewort from Germany from uh, Next uh, Kraftwerke. Jan, thank you for being with us. I have a question directly to you what is next kraftwerk what kind of service does it offer and what are your customers
1: Um, yeah next kraftwerk is the operator of a rather large-scale virtual power plant so we are an aggregator who uses digital technologies to network um, decentralized assets so what are decentralized assets in our mind i mean we have independent generators. A lot of them in Europe that we have uh, hooked up to our system. We have um, consumers, C&I, commercial and industrial consumers, that are part of our system. We also have first batteries uh, from EVs or stationary batteries. They take part in our platform, basically. So what do we do with them, then? Um, After networking, we are getting live data from each asset, which we will then use to to improve the forecast for each individual asset, be it a producer, be it uh, a a, a, a consumer um, and then our algorithm will take other data into account whether for a uh, weather forecasts price forecasting from spot markets real-time pricing from spot markets control reserve set points from tso's etc etc and then we'll um, automatically calculate the optimal um, optimal schedule for each networked unit it will then not only calculate that schedule, it will also send it to each individual unit and will then um, change the behavior, if you like, of that unit, will ramp it up or down um, so that it will um, operate in the most economical way possible for that asset in this given market situation.
0: So uh, you try to use the potential that is in the system, but that until digital technologies were available, was not possible to exploit because too decentralized, too difficult to to compute the, in the right way. Yeah. Okay, so technology is there, but uh, as I understand from your discussion with you earlier, technology is not the full story. We have also economic aspects and, even more important, probably regulatory aspects. Could you elaborate on that?
1: Yes, um, we have mainly two Things from a uh, very high vantage point, we have uh, that that are slowing down the progress. If you if you want of flexibility from decentralized assets. Um, One is that the market conditions in many European countries are not really favorable right now. You know, everyone is talking about the need for flexibility in a decarbonized system, in a decentralized system that is relying on very cheap solar and wind, which is completely true. We don't have to argue about that. But what we are seeing today is that we still have so much overcapacity from the conventional world um, that new flexibility options... um, like ours, get into the system, get into the market. But in order to to grow more, we need more room basically and more flexibility pricing that really sets an incentive for our customers again that, of course, want to be paid as well. (laughs) And um, so in our view, it's not so much a technological problem today um, especially when we are talking about the short ramps um, of or the short ramps of solar and wind production, this is something that renewables themselves or decentralized assets themselves, demand response, etc., batteries can easily ramp uh, ramp out. You could say, I mean, could even out by ramping up or down very quickly. Um, and so, if we want to have a deeper penetra- penetration of solar and wind, um, we need to 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 be a little bit more. Um, yeah, let's say... Transformative? Yeah, transformative is perhaps a a good way also in terms of, you know, quitting that old system entirely. We are talking a lot about quitting that old system, but we have to do it. We have to shut down those coal-fired power plants so that new actors can come in and show what they are able to do. Um, And secondly, on the regulatory um, um, terrain, it's... I mean, there is good and bad news as always. Um, Aggregators are being recognized as one of the current and future um, players in the energy markets. But on the other hand, we still have um, often very deep in grid codes, etc. We have still a lot of regulation that favors, for example, a very flat consumption. So that um, the incentive for for doing demand response is difficult, let's say, is is low um, because if you imagine a um, a commercial and industrial power consumer, for example, the operator of large water pumps uh, for pumping drinking water from a lake to you know to a city or whatever, um, he has optimized. Normally, those companies have optimized their production um, or their water pumping in this in this um, example to the grid charges to the structure of the grid charges, and those. Grid charges often favour flat consumption. In Germany, for example, we have this um, this element in the grid code that favours um, flat consumption by saying, okay, if you if you produce seven thousand uh, hours per year um, in a flat way, so if your consumption doesn't vary um, a lot, then you will get a rebate on your grid charges. So this is something that is understandable from a conventional point, uh, from a point of view that, that we used to have in the conventional world, from a base load base load kind of view. Because it made it easier, obviously, mm-hmm. for conventional power pl- plants to follow that Yeah, baseline. To use
0: better the, gr- the capacity of the grid in the traditional yeah, and that context. Yeah, also then. that,
1: yeah. But now today we have, if you are talking about more flexibility, about uh, um, counteracting the volatility of solar and wind, we need different approaches, obviously, because then we need those water pumps to react all the time, whenever they can, let's say, to um, the fluctuations caused by solar and wind. And they may not be punished um, by the grid code um, for doing that.
0: So I see that uh, there is a business model, technology makes it feasible, but to be sustainable, we need also the right uh, economic uh, and uh, regulatory conditions. And we don't have to forget, of course, the, the customer. For instance, in your case, you highlighted that you, for the moment, address commercial and industrial customer while households are still an unexplored territory, right?
1: Yes, that's true. Um, we are, of course, looking at movements um, in the um, residential sector, like peer to peer training, et cetera, um, rollout of smart meters, and all of this is very promising um, and will be. Um, of value and of substance um, and we believe in the future when we have this higher need for flexibility but you may never forget that you know with a top-down approach like ours you get the low-hanging fruits first you could say so if you have a 50 megawatt water pump from a water pumping station you need a lot of uh, washing machines to to come to that number (laughs) And, uh, and so this is something that we see as something that will i mean the the yeah, The networking of residential customers and using their flexible potential is something that we will see, but probably, in our opinion, not within the next two or three years or four years, probably.
0: Uh, it's more ahead into the future. Thank you very much, Jan. Thank you for being with us and uh, see you next time.
1: Thanks for having me.